And welcome back to the Scooter Pod. I'm your host, Bobby Howard. With me today, we've got Jameson Maxwell and Ty Lee. As usual, the Oklahoma Sooners are bowl eligible. Thank God they have defeated the Oklahoma State Cowboys 28-13 to in a game that, uh, look, the first quarter was great, and I kind of want to start the podcast just kind of focusing on it because it made me really happy. But there's a lot of bad, too. There's a lot of bad to discuss as well, um, kind of essentially the rest of the three quarters but uh jameson let's let's just start it out that first quarter performance was so fun was honestly probably the best football we've seen of you play all season right uh, there's no doubt about it that was one of those like in the stands and jumping up and laughing i was not much laughing as much as i was cheering um it was honestly so much fun and my thought process on it, i was like thank god we come out and we punch him in the face right at the beginning because you know all the recruits that are there you know, they just stop watching the game after the first couple of quarters and go do their little meetings and little locker room stuff. And that first quarter is the most important one to go out and show out. And for all the recruits over there, which are a lot, which I'll hit up in a little bit, was a big, big deal. So even though the second, third and fourth quarter was really disappointing, I think that first quarter was the most the best one to do well in. Yeah, for sure. It, it got a great impression off, you know, got the light show going. I thought it I thought the energy was absolutely there. And like you said, you know, the game was kind of boring after that. So they're not going to be picking apart little details and like, oh, what, what is up with Jeff Levy's, you know, uh, why won't he run the clock? That sort of thing. They, they won't care about the minutia. They Ooh, got the I'm impression about Jeff Levy. Mm. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> Ty, your thoughts on uh, the game, the performance and uh, really that first quarter first. Yeah, I echo Jameson's points on, especially for recruiting and uh, a lot of other stuff. It's really important to get that just big, uh, big shots in early, you know, no matter how the game turns out, it's really important, you know, when you have people in their seats paying attention, uh, you know, and it, it almost reminded me sometimes of OU's performance almost reminded me sometimes of, of this podcast, you know, start out really hot. And then <laughs> from there, it's just a couple hours of rambling, not really sure what's going on, but uh, we will, we will certainly dive into that. But I, I can't be said enough how important this was. Uh, it would have been absolutely devastating for us to lose uh, to Oklahoma state, especially considering how we lost to Texas. These rivalry games, like we talked about are important, uh, absolute. Uh, and I'm not trying to, to talk down on them. I'm known to be kind of a, a cowboy. I like the Cowboys. I don't want to see the Cowboys doing bad. You know, I want to see them winning every game that they're playing. That's not against OU. Uh, but it is important, you know, that they care so deeply about this game that we just, once again, absolutely crushed them. Uh, Drake Stoops with more Bedlam wins than Mike Gundy is a tremendous <laughs> stat. That is very true. That is a factual stat for sure. Um, truly incredible. And you know, it was, it was important on so many levels, you know, um, obviously in, in the case of the rivalry, we don't have many of these left. So, you know, you want to get your shots in while you can, you, you want to avenge, you know, kind of that kind of crappy loss last year. You know, you don't want to keep, you don't want to force you to get on a streak because I mean, Jameson, you and I remember, you know, the early two thousands when OSU won back to back, that was horrible. Um, so you kind of don't want that to happen. Um, and to just go out and just blitz them from the get-go. Um, th- I mean, first three drives, like it's nothing. You know, um, incredible. And a great defensive performance as well. Spencer Sanders looked awful in that first uh, quarter. Ms. Absolutely. Ab- he looked awful for the majority of the game, too. That's one thing that we can kind of hit in. Like, obviously, you know, he kind of picked across, um, picked apart some of our defense with his running ability and found some open wide receivers, but compared to what we've seen for the early part of the season, man, I felt really, really good. Four interceptions, which was big for like, I, I'm going to keep talking about recruiting because everyone's going to say like, oh, I'm so glad OU's bulgeable. I'm so glad we got six wins, yada, yada. I don't care about that. You think I care about this participation trophy that the Liberty Bowl is going to give us if we win in a couple games? Like, I don't care about that. I care about the future right now. And um, I think that having a pretty big defensive back 
uh, commit in town, Peyton Bowen, getting four interceptions off Spencer Sanders. Big deal. And I think our defensive line actually showing a shed of some pressure that I saw this game was a pretty big deal for David Hicks, a guy that I guarantee you every single one of the other recruits was showing on his phone like, oh, you want to look at this UMass game that Texas A&M doing right now? It's still 10-3 <laughs> to three and nobody's there. Like, it had to be that the whole trip. I guarantee it. And he, I mean, he's a kid. Obviously, that's going to make an impression on him. Yeah, for sure. And it's 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 one of those things where, again, when you're a kid, when you're, when you're young, you're kind of looking at things and, you know, short-term the quickest thing most recently is the most important thing. So it was very important that when AM's down, when they're struggling, when they're, you know, a team, UMass, by the way, who we've trashed on the weekend spread quite a bit. Um, it, it's, it's unreal. So um, that, that AM performance is a whole different, you know, story. But, you know, to go out, sh- really show out that way, especially, like you said, on defense. Um, and look, we've said this all year. OU's defensive line does great whenever they're running up against a bad O-line. And Oklahoma State's O-line, you know, is absolutely just, I mean, they're they're injury, injury riddled. They're, they are not very good right now. And OU took advantage and made life absolute hell for him. Um, you know, for first drive, three, three and out. Second drive, first play pick, just essentially, uh, you know, one of those interception punt situations. Then uh, another pick. Uh, another three and out for OSU, another punt, and then a, another pick. Three picks in one quarter. Unreal stuff. Unreal stuff for sure. Yeah, it, the the turnovers were a big uh, thing, obviously, early in the game. Uh, when you look at Mike Gundy's post-game press conference, that was the very first thing uh, that he hit on. This might be kind of a cold take or kind of a, a controversial take, but I don't really know that the turnover margin had anything to do with uh, the outcome of the game. I mean, if you if you go and look at it, I believe we, we ended up punting off of a couple. And then uh, I believe they scored uh, a touchdown sort of after we had an interception drive, uh, if I'm remembering correctly. So it kind of ended up being a, a wash if you're looking at points off of turnovers. If I'm remembering correctly, I might not be. But I really felt... Uh, Spencer Sanders and I was saying this in in our group chat during the game. Uh, first off, I you know I had to get my shots in at the start of the game. I said, "Wow, Spencer Sanders is playing like Dylan Gabriel usually plays, and <laughs> Dylan Gabriel's playing like Spencer Sanders usually plays." But uh, I really felt like he should have been uh, pulled. Obviously, he sort of improved throughout the game. But looking at it from OSU's perspective, I mean, the situation was was out of hand, and he has that lingering injury. And I think that was certainly impacting him because he was just very out of character with his accuracy, obviously, you know, points and interceptions, that's an accuracy issue, but he had a lot of other issues, uh, just even getting it to wide open guys, guys having to jump and, and dive and reach around for stuff that they uh, shouldn't be that difficult of a pass. And then uh, you could tell he was in pain and, and that was affecting his, his decision-making. So obviously as we dive more into it, OSU didn't have much of a, a rushing attack either because Spencer Sanders was their leading rusher on something like 20 carries. But I felt like, you know, once they were that down that bad in, in the first quarter when they had a, a bunch of time left, because eventually, you know, obviously we didn't score again. They, they sort of figured us out and they had a whole lot of time to do, you know, a run heavy scheme or something like that. And it, it was, uh, I could see how some OSU fans are maybe frustrated by them just continuing to stick with what they were doing. Uh, when I look at it from OSU's point of view. Yeah, and it's it's tricky because I think a lot of what OSU did was pretty conservative down the stretch, which, you know, I, I think, honestly, they played they, – the way they played outside of that quarter, that first quarter, was exactly kind of how I saw OSU playing us, you know. Uh, OU struggling to stop Spencer Sanders, struggling to stop OSU on third downs, fourth downs. And, um, you know, I, I don't know. I, I, I feel like what – what they were able to do if they just if they turned up the intensity a little bit more if they if they took a little bit more risks like OSU could have made this a really a, a much closer ball game but they just flat out didn't um and some of that's Mike Gundy some of that's you know OSU's inability to just kind of I don't know I don't know what it was but I I was certainly worried you know as the game progressed um with how we were defending Sanders overall but um 
you know, oh, uh, 28 nothing. That's a hard, hard hole to dig out of. And I'll say this keeping OSU, you know, to one touchdown, not bad. That's a pretty good performance. Yeah. And that touchdown coming in the late third quarter, um, honestly, honestly astounding. I want to give props to our defense, obviously, because they did a better job than they've been doing this season. But it really did look like, like Bobby said, it's Oklahoma State played extremely conservative and there just wasn't a lot of fire. And, you know, talking about, oh, why didn't they just bench Spencer Sanders? You know, Gunnar Gundy just looked even worse these past couple games. Like a hobble Spencer Sanders is the only reason that they could get saved versus Iowa State last week. When we saw Iowa State this week and put it up another dud versus Texas Tech team being in Ames. So that win last week from Oklahoma State really wasn't that oppressive at all. Nope. And the Iowa State hype of saying they're a competent team is completely false. By far the worst team in the Big 12. And I understand, yeah, Oklahoma was in that conversation and all that in the past, but like, Come on, we we can use the eye test, and it's very clear that Iowa State was not a good team, and Oklahoma State is falling and falling fast right now. Yeah, the and what's so weird? I keep forgetting OSU was ranked like this was a ranked win. This is OU's second ranked win of the season. Uh, if you could uh, considering the Kansas game as well, like it's uh that was on paper a good win, but that Oklahoma State team just didn't feel that great. I don't know. Um, I, so let, let's talk about that the offense on that 28 nothing run and um I, I i gotta ask jameson how much of that was kind of attributed to a bit of a good script because it was as we saw down the line the offense kind of sputtered mm-hmm. that's absolutely it you could tell that jeff levy was aggressive and he wanted to go out and punch him in the face and they did and we've seen the ou offense at home it seems like in this first you know part of the game like Jeff Levy calls some things up and things go well. We get some big plays. Drake Stoops, hell of a game. Absolutely hell of a game. That man has absolute stick em for for hands. It's unbelievable. We've, we've been talking about that his whole career at OU, how good his hands are. And once again, just keeps making these diving catches. Um, but you got to give it up to Jeff Levy for the first quarter because he had a good game plan. But then he let his foot off the gas, and that's just not what you need to do. Um, we need to continue to drive OSU into the dirt. We need to run the ball and give the ball to our best player in Eric Gray. There's no excuse that Dylan Gabriel shot double the throws than Eric Gray has to rushing. That just does not make sense for me in a game that you're already up 28-0 to zero in the first quarter. Eric Gray should have gotten a, been a workhorse and gotten up to 30 carries in this game. And you're saying like, oh, 20 carries is pretty good for a running back. I want to see Eric Gray get a lot of carries if we are already up that big. Well, he's the best. He's the best player on on the team, arguably. The and best it's not even a conversation sure. with it either. No, it's not. And when you're up twenty eight nothing, OSU is not doing anything on offense. The, the The amount of three and outs where they burned like like barely a minute was pretty unacceptable. Shall we talk about our third down efficiency for the second week in a row and how embarrassing that is, Bobby? Like legitimately, and I know Ty talked about it all last week, one for 14 from third down this week. After what we did last week, was it one of 11? Was that right? Yeah, something like that. It's It sounds correct. Absolutely awful. Ty, I I want you to tee off on this. What what do you think? Well, so it was such a, it was such a, a polarizing uh, polarizing is probably not the the correct term. It was such a polarized uh, offensive performance from OU, especially when you look at the third downs, because you look at the first quarter performance and we were just never getting to third down because everything was working. Um, and then we got later on in the game. And when you really look at it, not much was working. And I do attribute some of that to, uh, like Jameson touched on, you know, we weren't adjusting. I, I did not like, uh, same thing that you just pointed out. I did not like how our play calling continued to be trying to do mid range, especially pass plays, something that Dylan Gabriel does not thrive in. I think because of his height, you know, all, all jokes aside about him, it, you see it echoed across the media. He is fairly decent for a college quarterback, not Heisman level, but he's fairly decent for a college quarterback at deep balls. You know, some people can argue that, but I would argue that that Mims has sort of hurt his stats there a little bit this year. And he is really solid on short stuff. So, you know, stuff at or behind the line of scrimmage, maybe out to like a quick slant out to like five yards or something or a quick out. But that mid-range stuff, I think, 
mostly because of his height, he really struggles in. Uh, and we continued to, to call that, and that did bother me. But the, mm-hmm. the third down efficiency uh, is certainly a stat that I think is, is pretty indicative of your total offensive performance. And you have to sort of read into the, uh, the tea leaves there a little bit. But when I think about third down efficiency, I think about uh, really two things. And, and there are two things that, that lead into offensive success. Uh, period. And it's not specific to coaching. It's not specific to players, but third downs, in my opinion, come down to, can you be clutch? Can you perform when you need to on those single plays that you need to convert? Obviously that ties in a fourth down as well, but more importantly, and we talk about this with how coaching really impacts the players. Can you set yourself up in a position to succeed? Because you shouldn't have to be being clutch all the time. Uh, it, that probably grammatically didn't make a lot of sense. Uh, but, you know, it's like we talk about with the coaching. You can blame the players all you want, but at the end of the day, it's up to the coaches to best employ their talent how they have it. And this is one of the criticisms of this offense. I think I, I think I disagree with Jameson on this, but I think that Levy is a pretty good play caller. I think he's actually an excellent play caller. I like his play calls. I don't like his play calls adjusted for the talent that we have. He doesn't adjust what he's doing to the level of skill that we have. He's calling play calls. It would be brilliant if we had a Heisman quarterback. And again, this is not a bit, but we're not adjusting our our play calling to the talent that we have. And that's a major issue. And and when I read into third downs, that's something that you, you know, I read into, are we putting ourselves in that third and short position, whether it be by play calling or, or whatever else. So the third down efficiency certainly I think is indicative of uh, a lot more issues with this team, but uh, I don't think it's going to hurt us next week. And hopefully it doesn't hurt us in the bowl. And, and we have a long time to correct this uh, in the next years. Well, just, it, I, f- I feel like it really hurt game control in some ways because this, this game should have been really done and dusted. It, it it was it was too close for comfort, even though we look, if if you told me when we entered that game, oh, he's gonna win 28-13, I'd be thrilled over the moon. But the time of possession OSU held was frustrating. I believe differential minutes, I believe. Yeah, 38 minutes of uh of game time compared to our 22. That's not great. And it against a more competent team I think that could have really hurt OU. Uh, I think it really could have hurt them, but Oklahoma State's offense was was tepid at best. Uh, and we gave them a lot of opportunities. They had a lot of opportunities to, to score and make this a game because OU wasn't doing anything on offense. They weren't keeping the ball away from their offense. But the thing is, OSU's offense was so incapable of really, really striking any major difference that um, it, I guess, didn't matter in the end. But uh, it's just it's it's frustrating. Um, as you know, Jameson was talking. You know, you have to have more gray carries. But also, as people have mentioned in the comments, Javante Barnes had a great game. He only had six carries, but he made an impact in those six carries, uh, fifty nine yards. So it, it's tricky when you have a, a good stable running backs that are playing well, and you just uh, you just got to change focus. It, it felt like in a way he was trying to, I don't know, maybe intentionally try to it, obviously Dylan Gabriel isn't anywhere near the highest big comp- uh, competition at all, but it was like, yeah, let's see if we can rack up some numbers with our quarterback because that sounds more fun. Yeah. And the problem was, I think a lot of these third downs were like third and mediums, like, you know, third and five, third and six. Um, maybe we had a couple that were the third and one third and two and we got stuff, but the majority of them are, you know, you know, we had like a three or four yard run then an incomplete pass and then we're stuck on third and medium. And medium, like Ty said, is not Dylan Gabriel's forte. And a lot of the time on third down, what I've kind of noticed these past two weeks is third down isn't as cookie cutter as your first and second down. Usually the first and second down, you can script it. I know I'm going to throw it to this guy in this route, and if it doesn't work, oh, well. Third down is things break down a lot quicker. The pass rush is coming because it's a pa- obvious passing down, and sometimes that first route isn't going to be there. And we've seen time and time again this season that Dylan Gabriel does not do one well with pressure and two, whenever the play breaks down, his first option is gone. So I think with a, as we see um, this OU offense get called by Jeff Levy, I think we need a type of guy that can extend the play and get out of the pocket and look through his progressions. And that's why I really do believe in the fans talking about like, could Dylan Gabriel get, you know, 
unrooted as the quarterback next year because he's not uh, making our ceiling any higher. He's just kind of a an average guy as a quarterback, which is great. He's not the problem with this OU football team and why we lost a lot of games this season. He obviously had a play in it, but he's not the biggest part. But if you want to take OU football to the level of what we expect as fans, you need a guy that can get out of the pocket and go out and he will be like, wow, look at the play that that quarterback made. And that's the reason we got a third down. There's not many times where I go like, wow, look at that play Dylan Gabriel made. It's more like he got it to the guy that he was supposed to. And that's just not good enough. We we aren't very big fans of average here. I yeah, do have I, a really good. You got it. Uh, just real quick. I, I have a really uh, interesting point. I think Jameson that, that is a good little cherry on top to the point that you just made with Dylan Gabriel. Uh, I don't recall what quarter, but uh, in this game, I don't know how apparent it was in, in person, but on TV, he had one play where he was all but sacked and ended up doing like a spin move, put a hand on the ground, had the ball and and did some sort of sooner magic uh, escape from the pressure and from the sack and then rolled out on the move and then just sort of threw it away out of bounds. And it was profound to me because I, I was very impressed by his ability to escape. It's not something that I saw from Dylan Gabriel uh, any other time in his performances at OU, but ultimately it just led to him putting himself in a position to throw it away and not lose us yards. And that Which was one of those rare. plays. That's rare. Yeah. Well, and that's, but that's the thing though. When I think of OU quarterbacks, you know, and this is we're spoiled a little bit. I put Jalen hurts, Kyler Murray, Baker Mayfield, in that position and, or, you know, Sam Bradford, I can continue to name people and they roll out and they find a touchdown there or they find a first down there or, or something else. And I know that we have the receiver talent to do that. It was it open on that specific play. I don't recall, probably not, but it, it was really profound to me that I saw this moment of super excitement and I was super excited about my quarterback just being able to escape pressure in what was ultimately a very inconsequential down just to be able to throw it out. And I think that that really encapsulates the Dylan Gabriel uh, performance. He's not bad. He's just, he's, he, I think he's at a hundred percent development of where he's going. Uh, and, and he's sort of reached his, his ceiling. And mm -hmm. I honestly, I think we're going to take a, unfortunately, I think we're going to take a step backwards next year when it comes to receivers. We'll see how, how the the depth chart pans out That's and obviously we're, we're retaining thought. some some really solid guys but i i think this receiver core that we have this year is is uh, going to be a step ahead of of what we're going to have mm -hmm. next year obviously Absolutely. there's some yeah. some other things that can that can you know change that people will always emerge but uh, you know yeah 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 it's going to be tough um but i will say you know in terms of the you know Gabriel, yeah, he is who he is. He's not going to, he's, he's relatively unremarkable, but he, he'll get the job done, kind of. But thankfully, we have a guy next in line. You know, people are talking about him in the chat. Jackson Arnold uh, from Denton Geyer absolutely had himself a night on Friday from what I've seen. Uh, and I'm excited because he, he can really make things happen with his legs. He seems like that kind of dynamic quarterback that we've been talking about OU really needing down the line. James said, what do you, what do you think about it? Yeah. Not to get too yeah. into Cruden corner, he's, but he's close. He's closer to Matt Corral. You know, a guy that we saw do really well in the levy system. And even with Matt Corral, we saw a lot of the things we're continuing to see where it's like, there's just a slant round and you immediately throw it to the first guy. You don't really go through too many progressions, but as soon as Jackson Arnold can get out of the pocket and be athletic and be confident, which is a huge, huge thing in a quarterback that he has plenty of, he can go and extend the play and make the play and let the wide receivers finish their routes and come back to the ball and see what can happen. Um, so, yes, obviously, I think Jackson Arnold is a fun, fun conversation. I don't see a scenario where he wins the job coming in as a true freshman and like is starting on opening day. But I wouldn't be surprised if our offense is sputtering and Dylan Gabriel has done a couple of Dylan Gabriel things. There's going to be a look placed at Jackson Arnold because the fans are going to be clamoring for it. And we've seen it this season, like people like there's there's going to be a, you know, trial and error in terms of the backups. We saw it on defense, like we went all the way down to the the brand new true freshmen getting as much run and play just to see if they can play. In. And now our Mason Thomas is pretty much one of the solidified pass rushers on this team because of it. Yeah. And I, I like the the willingness to try out, you know, freshmen, younger players, um, especially with how turnover is. And, you know, obviously it's a recruiting pitch. I think it, I think that's something that's mm -hmm. exciting for for young players is the ability to 
come in and make an impact early, especially in the yeah. era of the tra- of the transfer portal, where you know, and like I was saying about kids, they want instant gratification. They want to do things as quick as they can, and I. You know, it's it's tricky to be like, hey, you're gonna have to wait two years before you can play. You know, red shirts are uh, are something that are a very, that's a very hard sell nowadays. Here's a here's an important point I, I like to hit on too, and a lot of the times this is used against us. But uh, to your point that you just made, uh, both you guys about getting young players uh, playtime, I think getting young players playtime is is so so important but it's so, so important on the psychological side. Here we go, diving into sports psychology again. But I have a what I personally refer to as, someone out there may have a better term, uh, but what I personally refer to as like the highlight reel factor. So if you get a young player and he gets to go out there and get some play time and it's in garbage time against like Montana State, that is hey, Montana cool. State's a pretty good team. <laughs> Okay, well, yeah, so day. maybe actual actual Montana then, because I guess they lost pretty bad to Montana yes. State. But he, against a, a you know an opponent that is not at your level, clearly the stadium is emptied out. No, everyone's at the bars or, or back at their house. No one's really on TV, and you know deep down, even if you do something cool, you know it's against some school that's not at your level and probably their second string people. The highlight real factor, and this is I think something that it comes into play a lot of a lot of the time against OU especially this year when we're down is you get to go out there and you get to have these highlight moments and, you know you get to go get a catch get a first down get a touchdown or whatever and then when you go back and watch it on the tape the person you're doing it against is wearing an Oklahoma jersey or they're wearing an Oklahoma State jersey doing it against a big brand especially in a big game i think it it means so much more not to make a pun there but i think it is <laughs> It's super, super important to get those young players playtime for all the points that you guys just mentioned. But I think it's even, it's, it's, um, I don't even know. It's, it's accentuated by the fact that it's in a rivalry game that people care about. People are watching. You know, you're playing a big, tough school that I guess wasn't the favorite yeah. to win, but a lot of people expected to win. It's being able to do it against a big brand like that in a big game with people watching. The crowd is engaged and excited. I think it means so much more to building people's confidence and, and building their buy-in. Well, yeah, you weren't playing game. Alarm went off, play- Bobby. I, I, you, you know, I, I know, didn't want to I make know. sure you slept past eleven thirty a.m. No, this—that's my alarm to uh, usually give Rosie food slash uh, go to lunch. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Uh, anyways, um, no, I, I'm with you. Um, I, I think I think the matter of playing in games that matter, that are meaningful, that have that atmosphere is a reason why you don't see people really sticking around um, like the, the West Coast, for example. No one wants to play at Stanford where there are four people in the crowd. Um, people want to play in big games, games that matter, games that make you feel like you're in a big game. And I think that's something that matters for sure. Um, yeah. Your kicker is lining up for an onside kick. The chances of regaining possession, they're slim. The stakes are high, and that tension is even higher. Your pulse is racing. He kicks, and you watch as the ball lands. Okay, yeah, like, make every play feel that exciting with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, and their unbeatable offers. Right now, new customers can make any $5 NFL bet and get $200 in free bets if your team wins. So check this out. In addition to the usual bets, Everyone can boost their winnings with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. And to make things even sweeter, you can throw down on stepped-up same-game parlays once per game day all season long. Sounds like a pretty good deal to me. So, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code TPPN to get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Just place a $5 bet on any NFL game only at DraftKings Sportsbook using code TPPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See the show notes for details. Before we before we move on, to, uh, kind of a couple, couple notes people have been bringing up. Uh, receivers, a um, bit iffy. Farouk had a couple bad drops, and a lot of people are kind of calling for, uh, you know, hey, what are we going to do with the receiving coach? Um, because, you know, I don't know. I don't know, Jameson. I, 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 don't, think, I don't think our current situation is uh, going to work. And, no. you know, frankly, it was an emergency situation in the first place. 
Yeah, LaDamian Washington's a good guy. It seems like in terms of like the recruiting and his overall, you know, respect value, it seemed like he's been holding the ship pretty well. You know, we didn't lose any of our, our wide receiver commits, as we know right now. Um, obviously, Anthony Evans, we're still in the danger zone with him, um, with him visiting Georgia and not making it into the Bedlam trip this weekend. But it, there, something needs to be changed because obviously LaDamian Washington doesn't have a lot of that kind of uh, scheming uh, history in terms of being a wide receiver coach. So like I, like I've seen in the chat, like Malcolm Kelly, obviously a big time fit. And I would think he'd want to come to Oklahoma. And then we, I think we did, I think it came out like we did try to get him at the last second, right after the Kale Gundy thing. And it was just too last second. You, You can't come over and shift yourself into this kind of huge position with that little preparation. It's, it's a very risky move, but he, you know, Malcolm Kelly knows that the job's going to be available at the end of the season as well. It, it makes sense what we've done with DeMarco Murray and how that's worked out, especially from the notoriety and recruitment side of things, having another former OU player at a position group on the offense. And this isn't just your ordinary, just Malcolm Kelly. He played at OU and we'll go in and plug in and have fun. Like this dude has been doing really, really damn well on the college football scheme right now and at TCU, I would not be surprised at all if we are in heavy talks with Malcolm Kelly at the end of the season. Well, yeah. I mean, look what he's done with Quentin Johnson. It's unreal. And also, yeah, Quentin Johnson, you know, yeah, top 10 draft yeah. pick. Golly. It's unreal. It's unreal. And then, you know, uh, obviously he would be added to a list of, of guys like, you know, J- uh, Joe John Finley, obviously I feel like has done a pretty solid job of tight ends as well. Um, and, you know, Hey, technically Jeff Levy, Jeff Levy went to you. So I, I think that atmosphere is kind of a kind of a kind of, kind of a fun situation. I think it helps to have a guy, guys at your alma mater that are actually good because you know they'll stick around, they care a little bit more. Um, but um, let's pivot to game balls real quick. Just kind of dish, dish a couple out. It's been a couple weeks since we've had to do this. So uh, I think it's I think it's worth to do that. So um, Jameson, kick us off here. Offensive game ball, who'd you got? No doubt. It's Drake Stoops. There's zero doubt in my mind. I think he just had an electric game, made many big catches in. Obviously, that touchdown in the corner of the end zone. Stick him for hands. Great game with it being – was it senior day? I'm pretty sure it's senior day. And he was out there on the the field with with Bob and his family, and that was cool to see. So you got to give it to a senior. You got to give it to a big-time performer. I think no doubt in my mind it's Drake. And I will say, you know, even though he probably has a COVID year, him coming out for senior day, I don't know. He's probably not coming back. Uh, Usually, usually that is a sign that they're leaving. Uh, You've you've seen that where non-seniors who are going to the draft do that as well. So, um, yeah. Uh, Ty, I'll let you go next. Um, Is it also Drake Stoops for you? It's okay. It's okay to offensively. Offensively, I have to go Drake Stoops. And I do want to point out again, echo everything that Jameson said. I do want to point out Drake Stoops made an impressive touchdown catch when the game was tied, when it was zero, zero, he started it. Obviously (laughs) the situation. Well, so no, I'm not trying to make a joke. Like obviously, you know, OSU was in, in bad shape. The situation was, already very imbalanced and, and they were not prepared for what was coming. But when, when the situation was uncertain, right. Cause we all went into, I know that, that, you know, if someone can, can say that they weren't worried. I'm sure, I'm sure there were OU fans that weren't worried going into this one. I was worried going into this one. I, I told you guys in our group text and I wanted to bring it up on the podcast. If you had told me that the Bedlam game would be 28 to zero at the end of the first quarter, I legitimately would not have even turned on to, on the game because I would have known that it would have been OSU that was up 28 nothing on us. So that that touchdown, I think he had uh, obviously had an all time game, but uh, that touchdown was very important because it it is the spark that started the fire uh, for the first quarter. So Drake Stoops yeah. with that cherry on top, 100. percent Yeah, and you know the I got to say by the way, got to give give props to the crowd. They were rocking. They were all behind the team. Student section was great. It was a really good atmosphere um, and. Stoops was a big part of that. That catch really just kind of got everything going, got everyone to believe. And overall, he just had a really, really good, solid performance. Uh, It's Drake Stoops easy on offense uh, for all the reasons everyone highlighted. And yeah, he he was just really, really, really good. All right, let's move Mm -hmm. on to the defensive side. Jameson, kick us off here. I'll I'll do something a little different, even though he's pretty 
obvious pick here. Not obvious, but he's one of the candidates. I really like the game that Jonah Laulu played. Um, he's not one of our big star players, but I think he was involved a lot throughout the defense. I saw him getting good pressure, got a half sack, obviously got that interception where he was in the right place within the zone as a defensive lineman, coming way out of your comfort zone and getting that deflection off into, you know, he was rumbling down the field. I was, I was really excited to see that. Um, I was really impressed with him and we haven't been able to talk too much about him this season because he's kind of been just like sitting in the background, but I think this was a really impressive game for him. And I will say this, he almost got another one. I feel like he, he got, he, he kind of got a deflection as well. At, yes. Uh, yes. And, uh, yeah. yeah. And that was, he was once again, being in the right place. It's impressive to see, you know, we have a lot of these scenarios um, in this defense where a defensive lineman dropped back. Um, we rely on our linebackers to play coverage or our linebackers blitz. We have like one guy fall back, kind of give a fake seven man front and then rush some of our linebackers, bring back our defensive linemen. And that's a scary, scary thought sometimes, but Laulu was able to play it really well. Um, and I was really impressed by him all day. For sure. Ty, who you got? Spencer Sanders. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. 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 I am. But that's a good, Mike Gundy. that's a, a little teaser, but I, I am going to go uh, different uh, because I think we're sort of, obviously we're reaching a point where the season is, is sort of starting to wrap up and touching on a guy that is also probably leaving. This is very gray area, very bending the rules, uh, but I'm going to go ahead. Obviously there's a ton of people to recognize and it's almost a crime to name the person that I'm going to name, but I'm going to go ahead and recognize Michael Turk, our punter, because being able to yeah. play that, being able to play that field positioning game, because that was really one of the main things that we had going for us uh, after the first quarter was we were able to really play the the field position game because he is is such a good punter. I think that the field position game is inherently a defensive thing. Being able, to, even if you're going three and out, if you're still making them go three and out, you're just inching it farther and farther towards there. Uh, goal line that is a, a very important thing so gray area big, bending the big rules. night for him too yeah that, that, yeah he deserves yeah. it grace lions yeah. and him engaged. yeah yeah a massive dub for for michael turk honestly he had like a billion punts and most of them were really good like pretty yeah. much all he of had them were, one yeah he, he had great. one that was really uncharacteristic uh towards mm-hmm. the towards the end for whatever reason but uh, i believe he had one that was uh, pretty pretty hefty early on so it's one of those things where it's like you don't want to see him punt 11 times but at least he is punting well 11 times so. yeah he had a 67 was his long which is pretty wow. good for for this level that's pretty play. good that's pretty good all right uh so it's up to me here i this is tricky because i feel like a lot of guys showed out i I love the O line or, or sorry, the D line. And I know like someone suggested, Oh, the whole D line should get, get it. I I probably won't do that because you know, no, I, well, I think they do deserve it. They were great as a unit. They were by far the best unit on the field. It's gotta be someone. Um, I'm not going to copy a James go Lualu. So let's go with the, let's go with Sean white. I thought he had a really good performance, had that little interception, uh, eight tackles, three solos. I think it was pretty solid. Uh, other guys, you know, I thought Woody Washington was excellent. He had a really solid tackle as well. Um, and, you know, six total, six solos. Pretty good. The, the amount of guys, we had three guys with six solo tackles, which I think was very, very impressive. So, um, yeah. But I'll, I'll I'll give it to Deshaun White here. That's where I'll settle it. So he had a he had a really clutch pick when it was really needed, when things were getting a little bit stressful there. Got to calm everyone down a bit. I like that. So give me, uh, give me to Sean White there. But all right, Jameson, it's been a while. I think it's time to time to dust off one of our favorite parts. Uh, what do you say? Let's do it. Hit the music. Jamison. Yes. What is this? Jamison. This is a rooted corner with Jamison. Everybody dancing. Oh, that's nice. Oh, oh it man. Is and nice. Isn't it? It is so nice. Hey, things are looking pretty nice for the Sooners. And I talked about it for a long time this week and last week. We really, really needed this game to go well. And even though second, third, and fourth was pretty boring, like I said, I think the first quarter meant the most to show the recruits, look what we just did, and just slapped them right in the face, punched them in the face right off the bat. And it was live, honestly. The lights were going. The crowd was crazy. The 
definitely a big time move to show the recruits that Oklahoma football, while we're sputtering this season, we still have some in us. So I let's let's kind of go through the visitors list. And I think the biggest one you got to talk about first is David Hicks. Um, you watch what has been happening at Texas A&M. Absolutely ugly. And you see how he committed on ESPN and how like he just didn't look as excited to do it. And I understand that might be some of his personality. But like we always thought like, yeah, you know, it's a, maybe a pipe dream to get him back. But it just doesn't – it seems like it's not unattainable. And to be honest with you, the way that this game went – and the relationship that he has with Todd Bates, I would not be surprised at all if a flip eventually comes. I'm not saying it's imminent. I'm not saying it's imminent at all, but I think we're in a much, much better place than we thought we were a couple of weeks ago. And you, who would have thought that Oklahoma being so poor right now and the way that we played on the field still have a chance to get one of the best defensive linemen in the country in David Hicks is impressive. And that's what hiring good people – like Todd Bates just being a great person that people can get along with. Brent Venables, even though he is some polarizing, can talk a little bit way too much. He's pretty wordy. He really connects with recruits and parents. And hiring good people that are also good at coaching football, that's how sometimes you win these long battles wherever they go. I'm going to go with the person that I feel like is actually family to me rather than, you know, Tex A&M. I don't know how has feel there, but what do you think about this? What do you think? <laughs> but about no, this? just before you continue, I do have to point out it's I just love when a and this is a, a jab at all of us. I love when a podcast host refers to someone as maybe a little bit too wordy. Uh, this is <laughs> well, <laughs> a beautiful moment. <laughs> that's that's true. Which literally we're doing this for fun. No, and I I think it's pretty un. It's pretty remarkable that OU was able to get back into the David Hicks race. Uh, it felt felt very, very dead in the water. Um, obviously, when he committed to Texas A and M, but hey, things have things have looked up. So, mm. getting a guy like him would be massive, especially with the Vasek uh, decommitment and you know everything we said we said about him in the past holds true. It would be really, really a big flip um, for sure. Uh, yeah. Anything on Bowen? Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Bowen once again comes and obviously really close friends with Jackson Arnold, his girlfriend's coming to OU. And it might reminds me a little bit, you know, it's hard to not make parallels with the Billy Bowman situation, girlfriend coming in and then we can flip him at the end where we always kind of felt like we had a pretty good chance with him and Notre Dame had a really good game this weekend, but going off all the way to Notre Dame, to a, they're a good program, but being a long distance with your girlfriend and also being able to stay close to home and, you know, with your friends as well, like we're checking a lot more boxes than Notre Dame can. And it just seems like it's a matter of time before he decommits from Notre Dame. I don't think anyone in the Notre Dame camp feels confident that they're keeping him. I think it's just once you decommit from them, it's you don't want to have to deal with all of that, you know, uh, the – all of the bad that comes from it afterwards. So I'm guessing he's just kind of delaying it being a little bit of a procrastinator, but it should come anytime now. Like it's almost December guys. Like we're almost to early signing day. Like things are going to start getting fast and fast really quick. And I wouldn't be surprised in the next couple of weeks, we start seeing Peyton Bowen um, getting ready to decommit and go probably my guess to Oklahoma. I don't, I feel pretty confident about Peyton Bowen. Yeah. I mean, he would be such a huge, huge get, and we've been big on him mm -hmm. for a while. We've seen this; it's it's been a flip that we've kind of seen coming for several months, and you know, sometimes good, sometimes bad, up and down, but be a pretty, pretty damn good commit as well. Um, yeah, this class is, let's wrap this it. Class is shaping up great. Let's rapid fire kind of through um, some of the other people that visited. Um, a big, big name that. To be honest with you, I want to be surprised just from like what Miguel Chavis is tweeting last night with his little cryptic gif. I wouldn't be surprised if Taylor Wine, uh, defensive end, kind of our Colton Vasic replacement, uh, our diamond in the rough that we found um, a couple weeks ago and offered, um, ends up committing. We uh, were going through a bunch. Of, allegedly, the staff was going through and doing talent evaluations for new offers. And we found this kid from Tennessee who's a defensive end. He's got good size, good speed, and get out, get after the quarterback. And he didn't have any big power five offers. And we we're like, okay. Uh, and we were the first big power five team to get in on it. And since then, like all time, all kinds of really big schools. Like I think USC offered him like like a, maybe like an hour or two after we did. 
It seems like all these other people started showing up to the party, but it seems like he really likes the OU. He's developed a close relationship. He was in this weekend on an unofficial visit as well, I'm pretty sure. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised at all if we can get him committed here pretty soon. I would not be surprised at all. Uh, just we got an, a couple of other guys that um, I want to talk about that that made it in that I think are just significant. I think getting PJ out of Boari and um, even though like there's some people worried about him in Ohio State, him coming out publicly and saying like I committed to OU and I'm solid, and then him coming to this Bedlam game I think is a really really big deal. And obviously I think that other than Jackson Arnold the by far, by far the most important recruit that we have in this recruiting class. I think getting him was a really big deal. Um, and then another big name that um, not many people um, have been thinking about recently, can we kind of moved away from him and we might be moving back, is a guy named Miles Tease. Um, we had his big brother um, back in the day, and now he is in – actually, Miles Tease, it's Micah Tease. Miles is the big brother. Micah Tease is the little, yes, is yes. little brother. So um, – Micah Tease, um, out of Tulsa, um, and we've been recruiting him as an athlete, and he kind of made it in at the last second to this trip. So that's another name to keep in the back of your mind, especially um, moving towards early signing day. Absolutely. It is coming up, and I'm I'm sure you're pumped for early signing day. Do some pods on that because we're, we're about to be in the offseason where, uh, look, at least last offseason we had a lot of hopium, a lot of excitement about Venables, now maybe we don't really have as much content to, to to power us through so anything is a good thing for sure but um look we're not at the offseason yet we have one more regular season game at texas tech the sooners uh traveling to lubbock to take on cactus gang and uh look this game felt a lot more a lot more tense before uh yesterday if it if it meant this being for example, the only way to get in bull eligible, it would have been tough. But now I feel like it's a little freed up. This is a six o'clock game. It's a night game. They'll probably be probably be uh, pretty excited down there. So I don't know. Uh, Ty, your first impressions on this Texas Tech game. They've been a little bit hot. They've been pretty good. What do you think? Yeah, I, I don't think they have. I mean, I guess they've been good for Texas Tech. I mean, you look at Texas Tech and they get super hyped up about, what, like six and six seasons and stuff. While Jameson was doing the Cruden Corner, I made this. It's a cactus, uh, and it says kick their <laughs> butt with a Tech logo. And he's got the X's <laughs> for the eyes, uh, like a cartoon. That's impressive. And says, As you can corner. see, the cactus is um, dead. Yeah, so I guess we'll gift this to Blake. Maybe he would enjoy. Oh man, this up in his apartment. But um, yeah, I'm I'm not necessarily worried about it, and and that was my stance going into Bedlam when I was very concerned about uh, us maybe losing. I understand people have their their opinions about going to play in Lubbock. I don't even know where Lubbock is, which is how I know it's not a tough <laughs> place to play, uh, because I at least kind of know where death valley is and that's not even a tough place to play so i uh yeah i'm not i'm not super worried about it obviously we're we're gonna dive into maybe a little bit more details here in a second but overall uh i am not concerned and i think there is super high potential uh that we win this one and and get seven wins and then hopefully get a good bowl matchup and i think ultimately if we finish not to put the card ahead of the horse and knock on wood, but I, I think there's high potential that if we end up with an eight and five record at the end of the year, uh, it's not necessarily as bad as it felt at sometimes. I would agree with that. I don't think an eight and five would be like the end of the world. It's just another, it's just a bad season, which OU's had a couple of, and you know, I think salvaging that would be huge. And in order to get there, you got to go to Lubbock and get a really tough road win, something that OU hasn't really been great at this year. Um, only road wins so far, I guess, have been Iowa State and Nebraska. Wait, who are we playing? Tech? Texas, Texas Tech. Oh, <laughs> I, you said it was going to be a tough road win in Lubbock, so I thought maybe it was a <laughs> neutral site against someone else. Oh, my gosh. Jameson, your thoughts on this game, though? I don't know. It's going to be interesting because, like we said, Texas Tech has been kind of sneaky at home. They, I feel like they've been playing pretty solid. Uh, I've been I've been impressed with them. And Tyler Shaw taking over at the quarterback isn't my favorite thing. For them, but he's been performing well. Uh, I think that this is a good match for OU. Uh, they're they're pretty like all across the board. 
Um, you know, Tyler Shaw's like a good quarterback, but not a great quarterback. Sir Roderick Thompson, I think, is a good running back, not like a great running back. Um, their wide receiving room isn't as good as it's been in the past. I think that there's plenty of room for us to go out here as a defense, because obviously that's what we're most paramount thinking about right now, and go out there and have a good game and put Texas Tech in a corner. They like to play aggressive. They like to go for it on fourth down. As you've seen, we have not been the best fourth down defense. So how about we can change some mantras and go make some big plays out on Saturday in Lubbock? I think that would be a really big deal for us and our confidence moving forward. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's it would be it would be big. You got to keep this momentum going. Got to keep it spilling over into the ball and then through to the off season. And again, it's not like the big like it's still an eight and five season. It's still not good. But if you can get momentum, if you can get energy, that's that's always a good thing. So I, I'm I'm excited to see how it works out. Um, I I think Oklahoma definitely has a tall has a tall task ahead of them, but I think they can get it done. I think they can get a win. Tech is a beatable team. Um, but you know, we'll see. We'll see. So um that's a re- that's really all I have on tech. Anything we want to say before we wrap up the pod? No, I, I think that honestly, Oklahoma in this game, even though it was ugly and we have a lot of recency bias, and from the second and third, fourth quarter, I think we should be happy as Sooner fans. We're gonna always try to find things to nitpick, and that's just how we are. And that's kind of just how humans are in general. We're always trying to see what is a way we can get a little bit better. But seeing progress is a big deal. And like I kind of said um, in my reference last week, seems like OU's team as a whole is on the Great British Bake Off, and they're trying to complete their tower of you know loafs on one side, and they turn to the right, and their and their caramel's burning, and they're like, oh no! It seemed like the kitchen for the most part was a little bit more tame on Saturday, even though there was some weaknesses. There wasn't absolute egregious things that we were just really had to go after in this podcast. So I'm pretty happy and I'm really excited to see what happens in Lubbock this weekend. If this OU season is the great British bake-off, is this taco week? Oh Oh, no, it's taco Taco week. It's taco week. (laughs) (laughs) Oh no. Oh God. Ty, your uh, final thoughts on the pod. I'm I'm not familiar. Yeah. I'm not familiar with the show, but if I had to compare this to, to cooking it's almost like we have just been it like terrible at making every single dish like we can't even make a, a grilled cheese but then at one random point we just make like the best souffle that's ever been <laughs> seen uh and then for the rest of the show just continue to just be terrible and, and no one understands what's happening and, and that was this bedlam performance i think if we get the ou team uh that we got at bedlam and and even the ou team that we got against uh baylor hopefully not the one against West Virginia because there were a, f- a few things there, play calling and, and stuff-wise. Obviously, we've we've touched on all of those things. But I think if we get the OU team that we've been seeing for the past month or so, I think this is a, a very winnable, uh, very don't-worry-about-it game. Obviously, we should go in you know, caring about it and worrying about it, but I would not be super concerned going into this. Who knows? Things can go wrong, but I think that the, the situation is well in hand. I think the way that this win uh, at home in a rivalry game is, is very important. And I think there is high potential that we will carry through uh, and carry the day in Lubbock and then going on to our, our bowl game. I think the, the season is a, a bit salvageable and um, I am, I'm not concerned, but you do have to remember, you know, we are, we're Oklahoma. We are the, the villains. We are the bad guys in the conference and it is a down year and everyone is looking to, get their their kick in on us and and give us their best shot so we are always going to see the best of our opponents uh, especially when it comes down to the the final week of the year i guess texas tech is our big in-state rival since we're playing them on rivalry weekend so <laughs> i guess so hey texas tech has not beaten oklahoma in norman or sorry in lubbock since uh 2009 uh and has not beaten oklahoma overall i believe since 2011 I don't know. It was that one rain out game. Well, like there was a, what about I'm the not year good with history? What about the it was, year? It was when we lost to Tommy Tuberville's Texas tech team. So uh, yeah. okay, what about the year that Patrick Mahomes won the Heisman and national championship? <laughs> oh yes, of course. <laughs> Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> well, why else would he have his number retired? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, love it. Love uh, it. Another, another one last note on this, this game, huge, huge for who's going to go to the Liberty bowl versus like a first responder bowl, both six win teams in the big 12. <laughs> Things are getting very, very, where dicey is the here. first responder bowl? It's in Dallas at Gerald Ford stadium. 
if we lose, do we go to that? Drum? I think so. Yeah, there's, it's I not a direct tie-in. Th- this could be so, a, a guaranteed rate bowl. Memphis yeah. is just I, I like see. Louisiana North, so I would rather go to. Uh, <laughs> I'd rather go to the Dallas one. The, the Dallas, <laughs> I, I, I. You think touched we're... on a very important point, Bobby. Uh, SMU, Gerald Ford Stadium, not named after the president, which is just surprising. some guy named Gerald Ford. You know, not. <laughs> <laughs> Not president, just a different one. Um, North. Uh, oh my god! Uh, just, just, that's, that's, it's, it's just bizarre. similar. It's like it's very humid. Oh. Things are like I, inexplicably dirty. Like why is this building muddy? It doesn't oh make sense. Like you're surrounded oh. by concrete, and the building is covered in mud. And it's like what what's going on here? Yeah, okay, I'm taking, a, I'm taking I'm taking a gander at some of the bowl projections on CBS Sports. They currently have. Can we OU. go to the Bahamas one, or is that just like a basketball no. tournament thing? Sa- no, sadly, the Bahamas Bowl is it, it's between the MAC and Conference USA, I think, mm-hmm. which is kind of BS. I, I would love to go to the Bahamas Bowl. That'd be fun. Uh, OU's currently projected in the Texas Bowl against Mississippi uh, Mississippi State. So that would be hmm. amazing. Are you kidding me? Little, in yeah, the, that's go in to the Houston, bowl, right? No, it's in Houston. It's in Houston. Oh God, Which... that's like Louisiana West. <laughs> <laughs> Everything's no, just sweet. Everything Louisiana just would Louisiana. never have anything as as great as Houston. Uh, but yeah, who match up against Mike Leach and Mississippi State? That would be a that'd be a cool one. Yeah, uh, other projections: Baylor and Auburn in the Liberty Bowl, and uh, Texas Tech Maryland at the Guaranteed Rate Bowl in Arizona. Which Arizona is just west, uh, west, 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 west. No, Arizona is cool. I like Arizona. It's just it's doesn't. You've been talking that. bad about Arizona like for the past like month on this Who? podcast. Who you, you've been talking about how they just pr- produce worthless players. Well, yeah, this this state at developing football players. I love this state. I I vacation in Arizona literally yearly, all the time. I'm, I love Arizona. Yeah. I'm a big Arizona itself is a tremendous state. Guys, I, I think if Oklahoma State loses to West Virginia at home, we might creep up to the Cheez It Bowl against no, uh, North Carolina. No, maybe. do not get my hopes up. Wait, where's that? Where's that right now? It's in Orlando. Orlando against Mac Brown in North Carolina. Oh, okay. Ooh, yeah. No, I, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. We that's could, a cool we could one. That's there. honestly, a, I would, that'd be a cool one. I I would love to. I, I would be feeling Venables versus Mac Brown is. That's God. Don't get me excited for that. That'd be oh, so cool. Dude, Drake May would destroy this this defense. It would be. I don't know. It's but if Drake you're May had a pretty bad game this week. That's yeah, true. That's as, true. As we're wrapping up, I know we're just talking, but if you're a fan of of the sport, you've got to love the the Mac Brown uh, against OU potential matchup. But oh, yeah, of course. oh, I think they would pick that just out of the you know the story. The memes, well, you would the get the line. views. Yeah. yeah, that's a very sellable thing. Yeah, and also it's OU. That's that's a very sellable team. So what I was could, that, Jameson? I could see him doing that. I, I don't know. TV, and it's just all about money. Money. Oh, that was a V. I thought that was a U. Uh, <laughs> why are you throwing up so. tech? You're throwing up tech gang signs now. Oh god. <laughs> well, it, it all depends on whether or not this is a um, V. This TC is makes the playoffs. Or like, no one does this. I, I, yeah, it's a V. I don't know what I was, I was trying to make it more pointy. That's like a U or like a. You've been like practicing a, your, your. I, I was trying to make it point at the end like, right here. Yeah, this is V. Oh, oh no, I did it! I know. No, 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 no! I did it. Oh God! Get Bobby. Get Bobby. Fight on. Oh God. Okay. Yeah. No. The, the screenshot was there. All right. I gotta leave before I accidentally throw the horns up. Bobby in a, uh, in, a in a burnt orange shirt throwing. This the, is red. This this mm. podcast has this gone off the rails. Red. Mm. NFL is about mm. to start. Get me out of here. Yeah. We got to get out. Yeah, it, it is noon. NFL starting. So um, thank you all so much for listening. Uh, as always, we really appreciate it. Uh, and thank you to our sponsors at DraftKings Sportsbook and our partner at TPPN. Um, so cool. Great stuff. Been a great season so far. And um, I don't know. I'm a little sad now. A little sad we're about to end this. But, you know, um, that's just how the college Weekend football spread season gonna goes. going to get funky. We're going Weekend on Tuesday spread. this week. Things are getting Woo! close to the 999, so tune in. Yeah. Oh, it's 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 getting close. We <laughs> the battle for who will not have to eat nine hot dogs and nine innings of baseball is cooking up. So, all right. Uh, I'm not Jameson, about the dogs. 
You're not worried about the dogs? I'm on an island there. It's the beer that worries me. Nine beers. Okay, but it's the, the dogs and the buns. Like, just think about eating nine hot dog buns by itself and then adding the wieners in. I'm already like, thinking about, oh. yeah, I'm, I've already been strategizing how to game it. Yeah. It's, I, like, I mean, you gotta, you gotta, like, the beers, you gotta shake them. Like, just shake what? them up and then pop them. So you get, one, you can lose as much liquid as you can in the foam, but then also they're flat. I've learned this from Bar Rescue. The, the flat <laughs> beers take up less space in your stomach. Uh, they don't what? get you as bloated. Now, I'm, I'm telling you, I've been strategizing this. I'm, I'm very oh concerned about this challenge, but I All think right, it's I'm doable. Have to shut that down. <laughs> yeah, we gotta shut it down. Uh, <laughs> okay, Jameson Ty, thanks for being on the pod as always. This is this is great. Uh, and that's it for this week. We will see you next week. Uh, well, later this week when we make the weekend spread, and uh, next week as we uh, look forward to bowls and uh, wrap up the season. Final peace, <laughs> peace, everybody. Have a good weekend and happy Thanksgiving. Have a great week, Boomer Sooner.